Hello, I'm Zara, a self-published author of young adult and new adult fiction, a publishing grad student at NYU and an aspiring literary agent. Hi, I'm Kelly, a genre hopping writer, domestic goddess, which is a fancy way of saying that I am a stay-at-home mom and wife, and I occasionally captain the Hot Mess Express. And this is Writish, the podcast by writers for writers, where we discuss craft and hot topics in the writing community. This season, we're also starting to get into some interviews with other writers and industry professionals, so we're very excited for that and hope you'll enjoy those episodes as much as we did recording them. Overwriter and underwriter are terms that I personally learned when I became more involved in the AuthorTube community. And if you aren't familiar with these terms, they're pretty easy to find. An overwriter is someone who writes entirely way too much detail that they are like they need to go back heavily and trim in their revision process. So someone I kind of think of about is Kahila, who is our friend, also an author tuber and also a author with a big A. Um, but she has got all the words <laughs> and they're not all entirely useless words either. They're just words that aren't like, they're not really vital to the main plot for the reader. And the reader might get bored reading all of the added in detail. So that is what I would say would define more of like an overwriter. I'll take defining what an underwriter is and make it even shorter. (laughs) The opposite. But if you want a little bit more description of what being an underwriter is, they basically write the bare bones plot and not much else. So you're not going to get descriptions of settings necessarily or descriptions of characters or even internal thoughts and emotions of characters, because some writers who are underwriters really just go for the action and nothing else. Whereas I'm an underwriter, for me, it's mostly I just skimp on description, which is also probably partially due to my having aphantasia. But underwriters need to beef up their story and overwriters need to trim down their story. To add, I feel like underwriting though is really good for a first draft because that, like you said, is the bare bones of the plot and it gets everything down on the first draft. So, you know, it's not necessarily bad if you are an underwriter and it's not necessarily terrible if you're an overwriter because adding in to overwriters, if you have a scene and, you know, to edit down, you have to kill that scene. So like kill your darling and you love it for whatever reason, you can actually just save it in a separate file and come back to it and maybe create a whole nother novel from that specific scene. So either it's, it's not bad if you're one or the other. Totally agree. So let's kind of dive into what we personally feel we are, because I feel like I'm an underwriter where I lean more towards that whenever I am drafting. I am very conflicted on saying that because I feel like I fall in the middle. You've read my work. I I don't write as many words, but the words I do write can fall into description heavy. I would still call you an underwriter because what I normally, what my comments were basically almost always to you were, I like this description. Please tell me more of what's happening. So it's you're still adding to the story. I'm not telling you to trim the fat. So I do think you can confidently say that you're an underwriter, but it's a different type of underwriter than I am. And I I know this about myself. So I asked my alpha reader, tell me where I did not put enough description. (laughs) That's basically what happened. Tell me if I skipped a step that in my writer brain, who knows basically the whole thing, I got from A to Z and didn't show you the journey, which is less common than 
can you please describe what this is or what it looks like or whatever? And then I'm like, yeah, I know I fail at that a lot. So this is why they help me. It's not necessarily your fault that you fail at that though. Yeah. I mean, the aphantasia thing definitely is in there, which if you don't know what aphantasia is back in our episode about character creation in season one, we were talking about how we know our characters and Kelly, who is very visual and is a visual artist on top of being a writer. She can imagine her character and then basically writes down what she sees versus I just know facts about my characters, but I don't see them. So I always have to reason out certain things. Like if someone is in a room, I need to figure out what the room looks like based on what has to happen in the room. Something also to add, are we happy with where we're at? Labeling like underwriter versus overwriter. And I feel like my answer to that would be, I would love to know, just imagine what it would be like to overwrite your stories and have all that excess stuff that in revision, it's not like you have to go in and beef up your manuscript, but instead just trim back to fat the story's still there where I feel like sometimes with me and my editing process, whenever I am tweaking it or adding to it, I then have to go back out and add in more things to make it all cohesive. I get that and I understand it, but I don't think I agree. I think I like being an underwriter if I had to be one or the other. You know, there are some people who write a first draft and it's like perfectly at the length that they want. And then obviously revision will change and editing will change that word count a little bit. But we're talking in general, like you're way under word count goal or above word count goal. I like being an underwriter versus an overwriter because I know I'm only adding essential things. Yeah. The underwritten draft is literally the essentials. And then what I'm adding in is arguably gravy, but it it makes the story better. I don't feel like I've written a bunch of things and then wasted them, which you've talked about earlier. And it isn't a waste. And no words written are ever a waste because you learn something from them every time, even if you don't save it, which Kelly and I have both not saved past writing. And we are here to tell you, save your writing. Even if it's in a different document that's called cutscenes or whatever, save it. But I would just, I like the idea of I'm writing and then everything I know that goes into it after will stay in some form or another versus I've written all this stuff and now 20% of it is hanging the cutting room floor. You briefly talked about like word count. Are you meeting your word count or are you over your word count? And I feel like this also kind of falls into what you're writing. If you're gunning for traditional publishing, what does the market, I guess, what would the average be? Like what's the word count target? Yeah. In general, if you're writing adult fiction, 60 to 80K, some genres are to 100k thriller sci-fi fantasy you don't want to go to 120k unless you are already being published with an agent and an editor at a public house you're established like george rr martin (laughs) oh i don't even know what his word counts are they're much higher than 120k i'll tell you that (laughs) they are beefy books i feel like beefy books are good i feel like beefy books are you know valid in their own right but i also feel like if you're an underwriter and you're nervous or anxious or feel insecure about your 50k personally as a mother and as a busy busy woman 
who has a lot going on, I love a quick read. I told Zara this, she's gotten a lot of feedback about her books being quick reads. And I think that that is amazing for someone who still wants to pick up a book and read, but not necessarily has to set aside their whole day to read that book. I think Sarah Sutton in a video had said that people will call her books a quick read and some of them mean it as an insult. And she was like, I wrote the book that I wanted to and a lot of people love it. And she personally likes quick reads, as do I. I think you should know what people expect of your genre. So if you're writing a novel, don't deliver a novella. Isn't there another controversy stemming off of that, that NaNoWriMo with the whole 50k that's not actually novel length yeah they said that 50k was a novel and then since then i think the goalpost was changed 60k is a novel but i feel like just the topic of underwriting and overwriting it stems into the whole genre of what you're writing and word count with what you're writing so whether you're starting out as an underwriter it's not that you can't become there are skills that we can find a happy medium. There we go. A medium writer. <laughs> Make it a new thing. Basically just pulling you in from whatever extreme you're on. Let's just talk about some of the things that might help with this. Well, you're eventually going to try and get your story. So maybe you don't have to cut 80K words as an overwriter or add another 50K as an underwriter. This needs to be a graphic because I feel like with the the three P's, I feel like plotter, pantser, and planter we've talked about in season one, but I also feel like that is a spectrum. And I feel like underwriting and overwriting is also a spectrum because depending on who you are as an individual writer, like for me, as an example, I will go very heavy into describing, but I'm trying to world build in a way that is discreet and can be done well. And I will pat myself on the back. I have done it well before, but then I get to a point where I am describing the color of the sky and it's so unnecessary. <laughs> so it's like, I'm overriding unnecessary bullshit that I'm going to have to cut out to talk about what my character is actually doing. <laughs> for, for me, I feel like to come to the middle would be knowing what is important to write and what isn't important to write and what is important to elaborate on versus what is not important to elaborate on. Yes. So pulling in to the spectrum to become a middle writer will be more so knowing what is vital to the story. And you know, who knows, by the time you finish this, if you do end up taking these tips, it might be still at 55,000 words, but that's okay. Because if you're an underwriter and you just had it at 50, well, that's 5,000 more words that now you have. I think people, to varying degrees of how much they plan out scenes, this will either be something that they have to think about on the fly or can maybe even have it planned out with in each scene where I think if you think about making sure that you hit is something happening and that's something that underwriters tend to do fine and overwriters might not necessarily. Do we know where we are? So that's something that maybe overwriters are better at than underwriters are. And then I think something that both overwriters and underwriters should be aware of because I feel like it's an area that can be neglected for either group. Not always, and obviously not every writer is the same, but are you getting an internal reaction to what's happening too? So we don't want to just see the character do something. We also want to know what they're thinking before they do it and or after they do it. I think if you get the two external and the one internal, you have a well-rounded scene and then whether or not you still have to trim it down or you have to beef it up later, you're not 
going into your revision as being like, this is lacking. You're not lacking anything in the scene necessarily. You might just not be happy with the way you wrote it. I am curious as someone who yourself going into being like a literary agent, let's say hypothetically you're an agent because that's what you want to be whenever you grow up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Would you rather one or the other be in your query box? I mean, I think it's, this is going to assume that I'm interested in the story and that I've accepted it because if I don't like the first five pages of your story, it doesn't matter whether you're an overwriter or underwriter because if I don't like the story in those first five pages, I'm not going to be representing you. So none of my feedback will matter. <laughs> so assuming that I have decided to read your whole manuscript and reach the end and, I, and I'm and i on the fence between offering representation, which is an acceptance letter from agent to author, or a revise and resubmit letter, which is... I like where you're going with this. Try something else with it, maybe, then come back to me. So if I was right, if I was reading a manuscript, I feel like there is an equal chance. Now, if my mind changes on this when I eventually become an agent, don't come for me, people, with the pitchfork. Because <laughs> I am human and allowed to change my mind. I do think I would do a revise and resubmit letter equally for an underwriter or an overwriter, depending on the story. Because they are both theoretically something that I'm interested in and I see the potential in but not but I'm not ready to completely commit yet because there's there feels like there's something missing for me versus if I'm offering an offer of representation again it wouldn't really matter to me because I'd be so in love with the story and wanting to work with the author to make it the best where I could be to an underwriter I'd be like oh I really like this aspect would you consider exploring it more in whatever way and then having multiple discussions about that because agents are always in contact with their authors basically or to an overwriter I would be like, you go into great detail here, but I think it pulls the focus away from XYZ. Do you think you could pull it back a little? And it's kind of the same way I feel like when offering beta reading advice, it's about the story itself. I don't think that there's any right or wrong way to be a writer, kind of like we said earlier. Also, uh, Zara has services on her Kofi page about uh, editing in. Let me just tell you from someone who is her friend and she has looked over my work whenever it has been complete shit. She is very gracious with giving constructive feedback that actually helps you. I try. Listen, it helped me. And if it can help me, I'm pretty sure it can help anyone. All right. Because you gave a very safe answer, which kudos to you. I have another question. Why am I in the hot seat? Because that's what chaotic Kelly has decided today. Okay, fine. Go. My other question is you've interned at like a handful of different agencies. Yeah, I've interned for two agencies and I have also been an editorial intern. So just a lot of reading manuscripts. Yeah, she she got the credentials to be saying the things she's saying. My thing is, do you notice a trend when you're reading for agents? Like if, like, let's say a debut, is there a trend with like where a debut's word count has to be? Because I feel like overwriting, underwriting, we need to focus a lot on word count or word count is kind of goes in with the topic of overwriting or underwriting. I think if an agent had to pick, they would rather see 
a draft from an underwriter than an overwriter because it's less stuff they have to read (laughs) because they're getting thousands of these every single day. Sometimes even when their website says they're close to queries. Yes. Check up on your websites whenever you are querying, like make sure that the agent you're querying to is actually accepting it. And also not just accepting queries, but accepting queries in the thing that you're querying for, because you'd be surprised how many things I had to put right in the trash because of how clear they didn't read the website. But yeah, I think it's mostly just time constraints that they'd prefer an underwritten draft. But at the same time, that's not to say... Like they want to know that you can describe things because they're going to tell you to describe things when they're helping you revise before it even goes out to editors at publishing houses for them to get interest. And then once you get the editor, then you're going to be published. Aim for the middle in the around 60 to 80K, I think is safe always. But if you're an overwriter and you know that about yourself, maybe aim for 60 so that you'll end up around 80. Ooh, that's good. And then you can do less cutting versus if you're an underwriter aim for 80 and then when you end up around 60 you're still okay like overshoot in the opposite direction that you are so that you can get around to the 60 to 80k yeah because we're talking like debut authors unagented i was always wondering if agents would get scared by a debut author who had a fantasy novel at 180,000 words i mean yeah they would at that word count Let's also like how you were saying earlier too, how agents have a lot of emails. Recently, I started, I use Twitter to follow different agents and the amount whenever they are like posting like their monthly stats, I am always blown away by the amount of emails that they have to go through or their like assistants have to go through because my God. Sometimes assistants and interns because I was an intern to an assistant of an agent in my first literary agency internship. Oh no. This is also just some ish is that I get like, I feel so bad for the agents who share stuff that like whenever they decline a client, like the writer comes back and is like super mean. I hate that. Don't do it. It's like, I understand as a writer, you put your heart and soul into this but agents are people too exactly and they have a lot of other people wanting to also represent their book it's not just you yeah I always get really, because I am an underwriter and I do write fantasy, which is known for having lofty, you know, word counts. But I also feel like the way that the story is told, yeah, there might be some things I need beefed up. But I, now that I'm dabbling in other genres, I feel like it's easier for me to write more in contemporary draft than it is as a fantasy draft, which is odd because I never thought I would say those words. I can't, I still can't believe that they're coming out of my mouth. (laughs) Drafting Symbols of Character, which is a contemporary novel inspired by true small town drama meets Cinderella, I am getting at minimum 2,000 words a chapter. In my fantasy novels, I was getting 1,000 to maybe 1,500 words per chapter. And that's a fantasy novel with a lot of world stuff going on. Also though, I think not that you've been uninspired with your other projects, but you've definitely had a fire under you for this story. And I'm wondering if maybe it's just flowing easier for you because 
you have it all up in your head and it's been like trying to burst out even before you were ready to look at it. It sounds like uh, something our friend Brie Benumo, she says like whenever we have a group chat, guys, okay? We have a group chat. It, myself, Zara, Brie, and Kahila. We send each other a lot of memes and also talk each other off a ledge where we're like, I'm I'm freaking out because I don't know what to do with my story. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Brie, I'm never gonna forget this. She was like, just go to whatever is calling you. And I'm like, that's such a Sagittarius thing to say, but I'm living for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also not like you're one of those writers who's never finished a draft. Because in that case, I'd be like, maybe you should finish something. Listen, I used to be though, okay? I needed y'all way back when, whenever I was working on Project Scarlet Death, because I, that was the story that I threw everything out on. But that that's a story for another day, because... I am sad that I threw out all those notes. You've also said the story. So people go back to an early season one. I don't remember which episode. It, it was a very sad, sad day. But when Logan is listening to this episode, he's probably going to turn to you and be like, I told you so. Oh, yeah. I think it was actually the first episode of season one. I think so. And yeah, he definitely, Logan would tell me, I told you so. Because I am never going to forget Logan telling me, don't get rid of it. Why are you doing that? And I'm like, it's trash. Because the imposter syndrome was trash. Wrong. Also, uh, another plug for imposter syndrome is all of season one. We talk about it all of the time. We have an episode planned for the future called The War on Perfectionism. So, you know, if you want to hear people talk about imposter syndrome, stick around. We don't talk about it every episode. We don't talk about it at length in every episode that we talk about it, but we discuss it. <laughs> Do you have any tips for people who want to be a middle writer? And as someone completely unqualified to give tips, of course I have tips. <laughs> I say unqualified. I've finished manuscripts before people. Okay, let's all just laugh together. Your girl's got jokes today. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like going off of what you said earlier, just knowing what you're writing and knowing is if is it important before adding it or is it not important? I feel like that is a very good question to ask yourself whenever you're working on scenes. I'm not a, a writer who works scene by scene. I, I do chapters and I know that that could arguably be the same thing, but I work chapters at a time. And if the overall outline, because I am leaning more towards a plotter, it's been a journey, but uh, I will visit my outline and I will, there are good questions to ask. Is this important? Like is introducing this character and giving all this description about this one-off character going to be important? Because it's probably not. And I'm guilty of putting in a lot of detail about one-off characters that aren't going to be around for the following chapters or for the beef of the book. It's just I feel like knowing your bad habits as a writer, like mine, that's a bad habit. Yeah. I will say though, if you're doing that, if you're writing a like a mystery or a thriller or something and you have a character who everyone thinks is going to be a one-off, but is actually going to be a big player later on, I would say skimp on the details so that people think they are a side character and then are surprised when they're not. That was like, I, I remember a piece of feedback from R.P. Winters, who is an, a fellow author tuber. He reads uh, chapter by chapter of Symbols as a character. And one of the things was, is this character important? You're describing them way too much. And I was like, not really. And he was like, he's like, does it even matter if they have a name or can we just refer to them as her co-worker? Because she's so flustered by the news she just got. And I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> she's not going to be hyper-focused. And that was another point I had. 
I feel like overriding and underwriting, I was also curious as your thoughts on if it is if it is parallel to what point of view the writer writes in. Can you explain that a bit more? Yes. Okay. So I we have already established lean more towards underwriting. I also write third person like omniscient. I know like whenever I'm giving detail, I am giving detail about all of the characters, not just the main character. So maybe that could also kind of be a reason why I underwrite and why it is what I struggle with giving detail to versus what is actually vital. Does that, am I explaining it better? Yeah. So for Kelly just said what she writes, I write third person limited and first person, depending on the story. I used to only write in first person. And basically my two versions are, I know what my character sees, what my character feels. And I, as someone with a Fantasia, doesn't know what the character looks like, but I figure it out. And I haven't had a reader complain yet. Versus Kelly has to think about the details of every character in every setting, kind of at the same time. So I do think it is possible that maybe there's a correlation, but at the same time, I wonder if it's just how our brains think and therefore how we write. Like our own style. Yeah. That is true. It took me a while to actually feel comfortable in my writing style because I felt like my writing style was very amateur, but that will be a story for another day. Also, you're wrong. (laughs) Well, thanks. This has been the Writish Podcast, and we'll be back with another episode next week when we'll be interviewing D.P. Lyle, a doctor who writes crime novels, books for other writers who want to write in the same genre, and has advised on many famous crime shows. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Writish Podcast, on Twitter at write underscore ish, and on Kofi at writish. Bye! Bye.